0: Pray with me, if you will. Father, we submit our hearts to You. The words that I'm about to say, may they be words of, not of human wisdom, but words given by Your Spirit and with Your power. That whatever You want to say through me will land in our hearts. Help us to be transformed by Your presence. Not by words that have been managed by one mind. So speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've heard me say that um, one of my favorite artists is a folk singer by the name of David Wilcox. Um, he, He just tells stories, great stories. He tells stories of faith, mostly. Uh, though, unfortunately, I think if you listen to him today, a lot of his stories are have gone a little uh, awry, a little universalist. But yet, he he does draw us back to the heart of God. And his his earlier uh, albums, one such song, uh, tells about God setting a stage. And. Um, I don't know if you, you know that God is setting the stage for you every day. Every day. We can see on the paper, we can exegete from the scriptures a, a particular layout. Uh, we, we can tell you what it means and how that should be powerful themes in your life. But if we're not paying attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying and asking the Lord, what does it mean for us, we might not be acting on anything. We just might be receiving good stories. And living out our lives despite what the Lord is doing or saying. I don't know about you, but I want to be in the Lord's will. And I want to see His power exhibited in our lives, around us. I I want to be living out with purpose His calling as opposed to just giving good information. We can give lots of good information, right? Well, the information that He wants to speak this morning is, is more. We heard about the um, the folks who lost their grandson, the Balakas, this morning. Um, my wife, Kristen, is down in Florida visiting her dad with my son and da- my daughter-in-law for the first time. They're meeting uh, Noah and Carrie for the first time. And Noah as an adult, my, my stepfather or my father-in-law hasn't seen my son since he was in eighth grade. So he's meeting him as an adult. And um, he... Uh, They weren't able to get to the wedding, so they've never met Carrie, and they're having a great time. And thankfully, um, Mike's brain cancer is to a place where uh, he was clear yesterday. And they had some great conversations. I say that because I I think that the Lord wants to speak some things about the things that we are experiencing uh, in the natural here that point to us to what he wants to say In the context of what is happening, one of the things I sent Kristen down with uh, is a favorite devotional of ours is Jesus Calling. Some people have dismissed it and said that it's too devotional and it's, it's not biblical because it doesn't exegete the scriptures. But Sarah Young prays through the scriptures to speak a word that is prophetic. It's a word of encouragement, comfort, and strength. I've read it for years, and I'm amazed at how many times the circumstances of my life line up with the prophetic words that she has to say year after year after year. Is it Sarah Young? No. I believe that it's the Lord who wants to speak to us. And the same way, if not even more so, through his word, he wants to speak to us. Because he's setting a stage, not for back then, when the word was written for right now, through the word that he had spoken, to affirm and confirm it, but also to speak a word to our context right here, right now. So Wilcox writes this song, and the song is Show the Way, Go Figure. And he says, look, if someone wrote a play just to glorify what's stronger than hate, would they not arrange the stage to look as if the hero came too late he's almost in defeat it's looking like the evil side will win so on the edge of every seat from the moment that the whole thing begins and he goes on to sing the chorus but we'll save that for after the second verse now the stage is set you can feel your own heart beating in your chest this life's not over yet so we get up on our feet and do our best we play against the fear we play against the reasons not to try we play we're playing for the tears burning in the happy angels eyes cuz it's love that mixed the mortar and it's love that stacked these stones and it's love Who made the stage here? I should say, it's love who set the stage here, though it looks like we're alone. In this scene set in shadows, the night is here to stay, but the evil cast, uh, and there is evil cast around us, but it's love that wrote the play. And in this darkness, love will show the way. We live in a world that constantly is speaking a word against. The word that God is trying to establish, that that he's trying to show us in the circumstances of our life, in the ways that his word speaks to us. I am constantly reminded that there is, you know, I look at scripture and as I'm trying to interpret scripture, I, I can hear my Old Testament professor trying to push me, push me, push me to understand that there's highly figurative language in the Old Testament. And I'm like, well, go figure. I'll be here all week. Figurative language meaning like the words mean something and they mean something specific to that what they're doing in the context. And so push it, push it, push it really hard so that you can understand God is saying something bigger than just the story that's contained inside. So I, I'm going to try my best. I mean, this is a 2,000-foot flyby. You could do a full year study on just this Old Testament text alone from Genesis chapter 12. But here's Abram. Abram, not Abraham. So the father, who is the exalted father of this family line, the Lord says to him, go. We'll just stop there for a moment and just say, Abram, the exalted father, is told... To to go, to get up off of his feet, to get out of the context that he's in. You hear the story throughout Scripture constantly. Go, 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 go. Get out of the boat, Peter. Come to me. (laughs) But, 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 but. You can hear Mel Till is singing, right? You know, he's stuttering because it seems out of the context. Leave your kindred, leave your country, leave your father's house and land. What? This is everything that I know. All of my stuff is here. How many times have we said that in our lives? I will show you and I will make of you a great nation. It's already hinting. I'm changing your name, Abraham. Changing your name from exalted father. You're really liked around here. But I'm going to change you to the father of nations. Some people like to say many nations. Uh, I I think the proper translation is the father of nations. God's, God's desire is to speak to all nations. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Not the embodiment of me not the blessed one but you will be a blessing a conduit through which I will bless others I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse this is hard for most people when you unpack the fact that God says I'm going to bless and I'm going to curse But the fact of the matter is we already bear a curse in the fact that in our very existence from the beginning of time, we've chosen a way of curse. We've been under the curse of the fall. All have fallen short, Paul says. We are not capable of doing or being anything that can find acceptance before God without Christ. Now, he doesn't have that promise here yet. All they had was atonement that would come as the law is given, and as the people of God are revealed, the law and how to live out the law. But here, Abraham, Abram, not Abraham, sorry, Abram was asked to leave everything that he knew because God was promising something more. I hope that you feel that import in your lives. That when you said yes to Jesus, when you accepted a life in Christ, when you walked in His law and in His ways, you are walking with faith into something you have no clue of. There's no familiarity. There's there's stuff that you can bring along with you on the road, but it's just a road that you can travel. So travel light. Because you've got a long way to go. And the Word is reminding us Of the blessing that comes from those who are faithful. So Abraham went. As the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Now Lot. You have to understand. (laughs) Lot had two brothers. Nahor and Haran. And Haran's child was Lot. So it it was Abram's nephew. So here Abram was feeling responsibility for this part of the family, and it goes on to say that Abram took Sarai, his wife, and lot his brother 's sons, and all of their possessions that they had gathered, and all uh, and all the people that they had acquired in Haran so in a woke world where we say that you know slavery didn 't exist, it existed doesn 't make it right doesn 't make it appropriate he's taking responsibility for all that he has covering over there's a difference in the world following the lord there's there's a reality here that there are levels in a broken world in a fallen world there are levels of responsibility and uh, authority and over that being that authority over this nation over this family he took responsibility and everybody came with him and they sent Set out to to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to a place called Shechem. You know, you hear these words and you wonder whether you pronounce them right. You know, um, and they get to Shechem, and you have to. St- I have to hit pause. Hmm, what does Shechem mean? Shechem means shoulder. Well, why would God lead Abram, the father, who is? just an exalted father at this point, why would he lead him to a place of the shoulder? Because between these two mountains where you hear the story go on is the shoulder of what God wants to place on his people. A covenant reality, a covenant love. For them to be the conduit, the valley through which his love and grace flows to them. Now, if you're... uh, a you know, absolute exegete, you're saying, well, the text doesn't say that. But praying over it and watching God's story unfold, it's clear that love, who set the stage here and stacking the stones. So they get to Haran in the land, uh, or not, sorry, not to Haran. They get... To Canaan, and they get to the place of Shechem, and they get to the Oak of mooring, So you've got to stop and say, well, why is a tree a big difference? It's because later that would be the place where the idols would be buried, where Joseph would be buried as they come out of exile from Egypt. This was to be established as a place that God had moved, and they would come back and be reminded again and again and again. You know, first the promise of God was given to Jacob, there in, in this area, and all the idols were buried under their oak the oak that was there, and from that place in Cana uh, he jo- Joshua would recount that Abraham had crossed the Euphrates to get to this place in Cana going from Ur, his homeland. So there's just all these stories that are stacking up and lining up. And like I said, you could take a whole year to study it and pull it apart. And I'm just giving you a 2,000-foot flyby. But here at the shoulder, there was an oak that means faithful, fruitful. And on this place, it's called the hill of the teacher. There's a a role that he was to play, Abram was to play, was not just only father, but to point the people to the reality that was going to happen there. So the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give you this land. So so he built there an altar before him. Now, you have to understand where that altar was. Here they had landed in Shechem. It is this place in Shechem was between these mountains that would later become important, where the people were to pronounce Joshua was going to... Take the people and pronounce blessings and curses over the people. And in, in Deuteronomy chapter 27, the Lord, the people in Joshua's time were to, to stand there in Shechem between Mount Gerizim, which means the cut off ones, and Mount Elba, which is to mean blessing. He, they're supposed to stand and be separated by tribes. Really wild story, but here they are separated by tribes. Half the tribes are to speak blessing, and half the, the tribes are to speak out the curses. And as you see the tribes being sorted out, the tribes that are faithful are on the side that are pronouncing blessing, but as they're pronouncing blessing, the glory and weight of God is upon them for, to be completely undone by His presence because of His graciousness to them. And the tribes that had been broken who had gone against God, who had done the very things that they were speaking these curses, were feeling the full weight of those curses because God was speaking the very things that separated them from the Lord and that possibly could mean their doom. They weren't condemned. God was specifically speaking in that place, this place called Shechem, this place where... They, they would shoulder the weight of the world to speak to nations to fulfill the promises that God had made. See the picture coming together? There's this beautiful thing that's happening because there, from there, he moved to the hill country uh, on the east of Bethel and he pitched a tent. Well, what does Bethel mean? Anybody remember what Bethel means? House of God. So he moved to this place from the uh, with in Bethel to the and, uh, to the east of him was I so you 've got this almost a square created uh, geographically, and you 've got Gerizim on one side and Elba on the other side and Bethel on one side and I on the other side and you you're sitting there saying, "Wait a second, the mountain that means blessing is." is being spoken to about curses in the mountain. That means uh, God's curses are, are being talked to about blessing. And God wants us all to understand wherever we stand, whether we stand in righteousness or we stand in the condemnation that the law brings because of our sin, we need to listen to the Lord and His sovereignty so that we can follow Him not by the rules of the land, but by faith. And that's where it dials back. It, is it comes down to the end. Abraham was given his claim, his title as father of nations and righteous because of his faith. Now what's faith? What's faith? Faith was the end of this story. They built an altar to God, the house of God. They, they uh, called upon the name of the Lord and then Abraham got moving it wasn't let's set up shop here we're done where do they go they go to the Negeb. what does the Negeb mean dry lands the dry lands need water they need they need the the refreshing that comes from the lord it wasn't a happy place for the people of god to go it, w- it was not a desert resort let me tell you they were called into the dry lands. And the story will go on from there. You see, in the midst of God setting the stage is all of this mess. All of these tribes. Abraham would bring on Isaac and Jacob. And Jacob would have wives and concubines. And there would be children in various uh, levels. And some of them would be a blessing and some of them would cause a curse. There would be incest and rape and adultery. There was all sorts of mess going on in the family of God. And we think, oh no, it was prim and proper. We just, we like to tell the sweet stories that come out of a Hallmark card. No, the Bible says it like it is. And, and the people that are after God's heart speak it like it is because of their limitations. David yelled at God in the Psalm. Tired of waiting. Tired of feeling like he was going to be destroyed. But when he got it all out on the table, he would finally say, but I know you're sovereign. I know you're Lord. And I'll have faith. Faith in you. The psalm for today reminds us that there's national blessing from a sovereign God. A God who saves and gives victory. There's no safety and victory in armies. There's no safety and victory in politicians. There's no safety and victory in anything but faithfulness. And so the psalm says, we will wait and we will trust in the Lord. And his response will be hesed, Hebrew word for unfailing love. His love is unfailing. Armies will fail you. Positions will fail you. Philosophies will fail you. Information. We're an information glut these days. You can find out anything and you think you know something until you find out the anything that was proposing itself to be something is nothing. Right? Everybody can Google something and say, well, I know because I read this article and this article states that, you know, four out of five dentists surveyed says that uh, whatever... There is always new information that can contradict old information, but the only one who's the holder of all truth is the Lord. So, the psalm points us to the fact that we need this steadfast love, and we, you, if you can't hear the theme, the theme is so clear that nations will rise, and God will bring redemption to the nations, and in the midst of that, there are blessings and curses. Have you ever figured out yet with these bodies that break down, there are natural consequences to our actions? Twinkies turn you into a Twinkie. It tastes good going down, but later on, you are what you eat, right? So Paul picks up the ball and he says, now faith is counted as righteousness. And Abraham was one who believed it wasn't the adherence to the letters of the law that gave him an inheritance but what the law brings is wrath an awareness that there it needs to be something or someone who pays the price where there is no law there is no transgression so the law just points out where we failed if you go into um, Deuteronomy and you, you dig into the story of Joshua and, and what is spoken over the people in this place where blessings and curses are going to be spoken from these two mountains, you find out that, that the curses that are spoken to are remarkable because they hit the people right where they are. And he doesn't do them in the order that we receive the perfect ten, right? It starts off, number one, with number two. Idols. The curse that is brought on us as people are the things that we set above God. Number one, he has to deal with, with the people of God. Secondly, is about honor, which is number five. Honor your mother and father, that it may go well with you you think he's just pointing to our earthly mother and father or just to our earthly father? I think one of the things that's missing in our culture today, and and it would make a huge difference, is if we learn to, to give the Father's blessing over our children, but also over our adopted children, over the people that we have charge over in our lives. I told Kristen this morning in a text, I said, I pray that regardless of whether your father has the words to say it, that He would give you the Father's blessing and that you would receive it and Noah and Carrie would receive it so that you could live through that. Because there's something that's restorative. There's something that's transformational. There's something that is a power that comes when the Father blesses us. And even more so, we recognize the Father's blessing when we honor our mother and father, when we honor the Heavenly Father with our lips and in our lives. The third the third sin that they deal with, the third curse that they speak to on that mountain. It's funny, the text doesn't talk about all the blessings. It doesn't enumerate the blessings in Deuteronomy 27. It just enumer, enumerates the curses. The blessings are self-evident, but the curses are things that we try to hide under the carpet, right? So the third one is thou shalt not steal. Well, we remember, you know, the the word of Scripture, who's robbed me? Who's robbed me? We're supposed to store up our treasure in the storehouse. See that I will not bless you with it. If you don't rob me, says the Lord, but that you give to me what is due and you pour back out in response to what you've given and what what you've taken away from me, but also taken away from so many others, if you steal, the curse is going to be upon you. Then the fourth is adultery, and the fifth is murder, and they go on from there. (laughs) Happy days, right? (laughs) You see, the Scriptures are unfolding here for us to point to the fact that there's significant things that happen in a place that we're called to shoulder the Word of God, to take it to the nations, so that the nations might know the blessing. The blessing that God has for us. Um, I'm always reminded of this passage um, from Deuteronomy chapter 30, where they're at the Jordan, and there's a, a proclamation that is coming. And the proclamation really boils down to, hey, you've got a choice here, folks. Life or death. Blessings or curses. And then a declaration is made. Because the Lord knows that we need His Word spoken over us because oftentimes we're going to choose the worst of the options. Choose life. Here's the, the, the uh, word. It's, it's in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 and following. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. I have said blessings and curses, but really it's blessing and curse. Just like it's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. You can't just have love and joy. You have to have love along, and joy along with peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. All of those things have to be a part of the package in order to be living by the fruit of the Spirit. In the same way, you either have blessing or a curse. Life or death. Choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying His voice and holding fast to Him, for He is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to give them a promised land. Many people have um, missed this in the stage being set, but the Lord is saying that land is important. Land is important. It's important for us to establish a beachhead to have memories. We Saint Luke's we have a history, right? In that history, there's a story that's been told. So There's some major themes that have come in that story that we can proclaim this is who we are to this region, to this people, to you who sit here this morning. What are some of those things? Go ahead. Anybody. Bueller. God is faithful. Story of faithfulness right from the beginning. Amen to that. He's a healer. Amen. Healing goes right along with prayer. We This is a praying household. And people have come and received healing. I pray that the two of you and more received healing for your left arm today. What else? What else has God said through the body at St. Luke's through the years? God is a chain He's a chain breaker. Wasn't that beautiful this morning? Yeah. God breaks chains. He won't break His promise. I'm sorry. Family. Yeah. Chris said it well this morning. We know where we can come and find our identity. When we come from broken identities. sometimes in our own earthly families, there's a family here that blesses. That was the other half of my text this morning to Kristen. Was whether her father could give it or not, that the actions and the time spent this, this weekend with her father would speak the father's blessing over all of them. Sometimes we have to have that blessing not necessarily come down to us from our earthly father, but go up from us to restore what's been broken or stolen from us. Jesus is in, his, in the midst of his teaching and he says to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, if you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Now, wait a second. Now, Nicodemus is asking a reasonable question, but he's thinking the way that people think, not the way the Spirit leads. People think, I'm not getting back in my mother's womb. That's physically impossible. Almost comical. And he probably was being sarcastic at the time, though. Greek doesn't really give us a point to what the tone was like. It's like texting somebody something really important. It stinks because it can't really convey the fullness of what you want to say. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus says, truly, truly, with me. The truly, truly's are limited in This gospel, and John uses it very purposefully. It's like, pay attention, look in my eyes. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. So that's where your brain is, Nicodemus. Your brain is stuck on flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wants to. And you hear the sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Wait a second. If I'm supposed to be known, I'm supposed to know that I'm born of the Spirit, and it's like wind blowing, I don't know where it came from, I don't know where it's going, what's the point? Right? It's confusing. Are anybody ever been confused by the holy spirit before? Am I just the only one? If you are faithful, if you hold God above all things, if you bear no idols, if you honor the Lord and your parents, if you are in a place where your life is is so set at blessing others, there's no way that murder or theft or adultery, or any of those other things would enter in, then you're available. You're available. You're available for the Holy Spirit to speak. And Nicodemus was realizing that he could have, as a ruler of the Jewish people, as part of the Sanhedrin, he knew a lot of things. He had a lot upstairs. And it impressed people around him. But it was worth nothing. Paul says, I consider it all rubbish. It's all trash in comparison to the love of God in Jesus Christ. It's all trash. So Nicodemus was just getting a lesson in the reality of heaven. And Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? and yet you don't understand these things here he goes with truly truly again look at me all right nicodemus catch my eyes here don't miss a thing truly truly i say to you we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen but we do not res- uh, uh, but you do not receive our testimony if you if i have told you earthly things and you do not believe how can you believe when I tell you heavenly things. No one has ascended into heaven except He who descends from heaven, the Son of Man. Years and years of Hebrew teaching, years and years of understanding, years and years of looking for the Messiah, Nicodemus is is completely blown out of the water by his expectations of what the the. Word would say as he's exegeted it, but he doesn't yet have the Holy Spirit to speak to his current context so he might know that all of these things that have been spoken to him are alive and real in current context. Not the past, not the future, but now. That's mind blowing to him. He still doesn't probably get that Jesus is speaking of himself. No one has ascended into heaven except me. Thick head. Archie Bunker would have called him meathead. (laughs) Faith, the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. We are part of those nations now that God has set apart. In Romans that we heard this morning, faith As it is written, I have made you the father of nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. We live in a time, uh, Joe, I loved your testimony this morning because you stole my sermon. Because I think to live a life of faith in the Holy Spirit is to call into existence things that don't yet exist. I believe for my children. I believe for my grandchildren. I believe for my father-in-law that God is going to restore. Might not take away his cancer, might not bring, keep him on this earth very long, but God, the God of all things, the God who is sovereign, is going to show him the beauty of his grace and bring him into his presence. We are not going to be on the mountain of the cut-off ones anymore. That is an allusion to Abram's past where he cut himself off from his family to receive a new inheritance because his father in heaven called him outside of the parameters of normal living to go radical and say, I'm going to say yes to you, Lord, no matter how it looks, and I'm going to bring everybody along with me, all the mess. Because I think you're going to make a proclamation that is bigger than the mess, and he does. So, My question to you this morning is what in faith is God calling you to speak into? What is dead that He wants to rise to life? What is the word that He wants to speak that's different than what the enemy, the flesh, or the world would want to speak into right now? That's already being spoken. You will never, you cannot, you won't, it shouldn't, all of those things. And what is it that He wants to call into existence that doesn't exist. I want to speak for you and with you, St. Luke's. Let's speak healing over our land. Let's speak God's faithfulness over our land. Let's speak joy in His presence over our land. Let's speak restoration and nations. Not a nation. But nations, God's desire is for the nations. His heart is disposed that we might be conduits. We might be a valley through which we'd be reminded of the curses that come when we're out of line. And we would be reminded of the blessings that come. So choose life and be blessed. Nicodemus, you think you stand on the mountain of blessings. But really, you're in an avalanche of curses because you have placed your heart solely on what your brain knows and the limitations of the law. But God wants you to be in a place where you see both blessings and curses and know that this is to keep you on the curses side, away from dishonoring God, away from idol-making and give you a life that is totally an inheritance of a kingdom that is being established. It's not yet established. Faith is believing in something that we yet see. People will say, this is end times. The disciples in the second century after Jesus' resurrection said this is end times. In the Middle Ages, they said, This is end times. When the temple was destroyed, this is end times. When the Nazis came, it was end times. When Stalin did his thing, it was end times. We can go through cycles of crazy things and we have the ability right now to blow it all up, right? One push of a button by some idiot somewhere and it could all end. I asked you a question last week. Are you ready? Ready for the move of God. Ready to yield yourself to it. Question this week is, Will you go? Will you go? Will you yield yourself to letting go of the expectations of what life is to bring and make yourself available for right now? It doesn't mean you lose anything. Just trust that the Lord wants to set the stage. When you're out there at the grocery store, you can say, Lord, what have you set the stage for? And you walk up into the line and your cashier happens to have an arm that's in a wrap. She needs your prayer. Is God nudging you? Now, hear me correctly. Not everybody on crutches, not everybody with a walker, not everybody who is visibly in need of prayer ready to accept your prayer. Listen. Listen to the Lord and follow His command. He may lead you to pray, not for the arm or the leg, but to pray for the heart. Remember that when the rich man was confronted by Jesus, he only pointed out the things. The the rich man said, Well, I've done all of these things except for the commandments they had to deal with fully yielding to God. He'd done all the earthly things. He hadn't committed adultery. He hadn't committed covetousness. He hadn't murdered, steal, stolen. He's honored his mother and father. All these things I've done since I was a child. Don't I get in? Give up all that you have and you'll show me that you're not making idols of your money. It wasn't that he was rich. It's that his richness now superseded God. And we just need to examine our hearts. Here we are in Lent. This is my closing thought. It's always good to have a point. It makes it so much easier for the listener, right? My point is, is this. Choose Choose life. Choose life. Choose blessing that you might live. Look for the stage to be set in such a way that the Lord is showing you the difference between what is going on and what is in the earthly and what is going on in the heavenlies. Don't allow yourself to be one of the cut-off ones, but look at what the Lord has said again and again and again and again and again in your life. He's gifted each one of you specifically with gifts that are different than everybody else. Don't spend your time going, well, maybe I'll try this, or maybe I'll try this, or maybe I'll try this. The Lord has really pointed you in some really clear directions. Live into it and allow Him to set a stage that will bring forth a testimony of His power and His grace and His presence and His love. The testimony of that will cause revival. Do you want to see revival in your lifetime? It might be a still small voice. It might not be tent, tent meetings and endless praise. It might be just a small voice that says, go over and talk to that person and tell them how you came to know the Lord. They need Him right now. Those, that's the seedbed of revival. Just as Joe was saying this morning, God is planting seeds. Those trees are going to grow into mighty oaks oaks under which we will bury the past. We will bury the idols so that we can live for the sovereign one. Amen.